Welcome and thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Donovan, my wife Jessica and I are the lead pastors here at Destiny Church Praha. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media or visit our website at destinypraha.com. Let's get into the Word. so good to be back with my people. I had a great time in South Africa. I ate a lot of meat. I herded some goats, fed some chickens. It was a typical African experience. I'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, I just want to thank everybody who's just been in holding the fort over the past two weeks, including my husband. He's been awesome, taking care of Eli all by himself and the church. The word was good. Everybody enjoy the word over the past two weeks? Yeah, if you haven't caught up on the series, please go and listen to the podcast. Keep up to date with everything that's happening there. It's a, it's a really, really powerful series um, that God has been stirring. As I said in the first time that I preached this year, the first part of the series, God gave me this word so long ago and was waiting for the right time to release it. And I feel like now's the time. Does anybody agree that something's stirring, something's happening? There's this sense of, I think it's time to move forward, to move on from what's happened over the past couple of years. And for once, it's not, I hope that other person or those people should really do something. It's us. We're the ones who are going to do something. We're the ones who are going to build the church. Amen? Amen. I just want to, just again, what Audrey shared about Carry the Love this week. If you're feeling charged up, even if you're not feeling charged up, I really want to encourage you to go and attend Carry the Love on Tuesday night. They've been to Prague a couple of times over the past three years. I think it's been three, almost three years, yeah. And um, they just come, they come from the States, um, well, from many, many nations, and they just come so fired up and so charged up with the word and with a heart to see nations change. So if you're needing a bit of encouragement, please go and join on Tuesday night. Amen. Cool. So I'm going to continue with the Kingdom Builder series. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can go so long to Matthew 9, verse 35. But before I move into that, we've been speaking a lot over the past three weeks. And I thought I'd just give a quick two-minute recap to anybody who hasn't caught up with what we've been preaching on, what we believe God is saying in the season. And Donovan summarized it so well last week when I was watching that the whole heart of this series is that we want to build well, not just personally, but we want to build in the kingdom well. We want to build well amongst believers in churches. And I think it's, it's in, as I said earlier, it's encouraging because I feel like in this moment, some of you are reconsidering or maybe for the first time considering what your call is as a believer for some of you, it's been maybe just church, or maybe you're new to the faith. Maybe you've been saved for a very long time, but I really believe God is bringing clarity to those of us who are questioning where we fit in. Not only that, we want to build with Christ, and not just build with Christ, we want to co-labor together for the kingdom. So we want to build well, we want to build with Christ, and we want to build together, because as we know, with this lovely city called Prague, you may not be here for a long time. But if you build well 
and if you build with Christ, that that you have built will live long past you when you leave. And that should be our heart for anywhere that we are building or planted, is that what we do for the kingdom is not built around ourselves, it's built around the kingdom. We need to acknowledge that God is the only one who brings growth and multiplication. It's not going to be through striving. It's not going to be through really great spreadsheets. Audrey, amen. Spreadsheets are great, but they're not going to save the nations. They may help a great deal. We, love, we had a whole conversation on spreadsheets this week. We love them. God is the only one who brings growth. We want to build with the cornerstone as our reference. Jesus, the word, his framework. Donovan spoke on it last week, how the cornerstone is one of the first, what do you call it, it's bricks that are laid, you know, and every other brick, every wall is in relation to the cornerstone that is laid. Just in case you were wondering why we sing Christ alone cornerstone. <laughs> we want to build wisely upon the rock. And as Paul urges us in Corinthians, we need to build with care. We need to be mindful of what we're building. We need to be mindful of how we're building and why we're doing it. So this morning, I want to speak on the cause of the kingdom. And I want to speak on the why behind why you should be doing things for the kingdom. Why you've been planted where you're planted. Because it's easy to know a lot about our faith. It's easy to be known as a believer But I want you guys this morning to be fully convinced of why you are doing what you're doing. And it's interesting that that theme of doubt and courage came up this morning because I want to reassure you that it is very normal to be questioning. Not everything is doubt that's trying to separate you. Sometimes it's questions that if you allow the Holy Spirit to journey it with you can build your faith. So this morning I want to speak about the cause of the kingdom, mainly Specifically, the gospel, which is strange for me. I don't usually preach very gospely messages. It's like I said, I feel like Delara should be preaching this this morning because she's just like a fired up evangelist, gospel preacher. But I was praying, and I think if we look at the Bible, Donovan has said this so many times, if we look Genesis to Revelation, the whole story of the Bible is about restoration, restoration back to the Father. It's... We will not stop until the whole earth knows. We will not stop until everybody knows and has been restored back to the Father. That is the heart of the gospel. That is the heart of the kingdom. And it's not just for you. It's not just for me. It's for everyone. Amen? And we can't ignore the call on each and every one of our lives to be the hands and feet of of Jesus. And I want to say this this morning, and I said it in my first sermon, it is not just for the missionaries, and it is not just for the evangelists. We're not going to just leave it up to them to get a nation saved. We need to all be serving the kingdom. We need to be cheering those people on, those people who carry a specific gifting in that area, something that I honor so much, but we cannot disqualify ourselves. We cannot doubt our part in the kingdom because we think somebody else can do it for us. Can we just agree on that this morning? Amen. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, I read it this morning. Jesus speaking, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
Luke 4 verse 18, also in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Such good scripture. And I was challenged in preparing this message because I was traveling this week. I got back yesterday and I wanted to have this message done before I came home because I wanted to get home yesterday and just rest and recover. So I prepared it fairly early in the week and it was four beautiful pages of scripture. And I was like, wow, I really put my English degree to good use. This is a wonderfully written sermon. And God kept me awake night after night after night. Every airport layover that I had, I had my laptop with me because God was saying, it's so much more than just the scripture. You need to get my heart in this. You need to hear my heart is the Father. Because I think for some of us, we know this stuff. We know these scriptures. This isn't the first time you've heard the Great Commission. This isn't the first time that you've heard that you have a call to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But I think the revelation comes and the courage comes when we maybe get a realization of how lost we were and how he saved us. Precious sang it this morning in that song. And for me, my moment was probably about 10 years ago when somebody said to me, they looked at me in the eyes and they said, why are you doing this? Why, are you, why do you love the church? Why do you love serving? What is your heart? And I just said, if Jesus gave his life for the church, I will give mine. And that was my why. And that's still my why. When we were asked to take over this church, somebody, you know, it's like, how do you respond to that? How do you say yes or no to taking over a church? I don't know. Because in my heart, if Jesus gave his life for the church, I'm going to give mine. I would do anything to lead this church and be part of what God is doing. But it got me thinking that why did Jesus give his life for the church? And something must have moved him so powerfully. Something must have happened so deep. And I know it was part of the plan and he knew that. But something moved him that he would do it over and over and over again. Something moved him. And that is the reason why he gave his life for his people, for us, for every nation. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. Jesus went throughout the cities and villages, preaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. I love how it's just said that he was just doing it. My life would just read, Jessica, she went to Tesco today, and then she took a Zoom call. So, but this is so normal for Jesus, just teaching, synagogues, proclaiming the gospel, healing every disease. And then it gets to verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And that word compassion there in Greek is splanchnizomai. <clears throat> splanchnizomai. Thank you very much. Here we go. And that refers to the actual translation of that word is a feeling from the gut. 
of feeling deep, deep, deep inside. So when it says Jesus had compassion for them, it wasn't he thought of them or he looked at them. He felt something deep, deep, deep down for them. This compassion was deep in his gut. And it says there that they were harassed and helpless. And that harassed and helpless literally translates to torn and thrown down. Why were they torn and thrown down? Well, the word says because they were sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looking at his people and just in his gut, even though he's been doing this now, he's had his disciples with him for two years already. They must have seen so many miracles, so many lives changed. Yet two years later, he just can't help but be moved and broken this deep, deep feeling that he can't keep doing this alone. There has to be a way to reach more people. They were harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. And my question to you this morning is that when we look around, when we look around at our friends, our colleagues, our bosses, the people who we study with, do we look at them through the eyes of Jesus? Do you look at those who are lost? Do you look at those who need Jesus as sheep without a shepherd? Harassed, helpless, torn, and throw down? And are your hearts moved for them? Are your hearts moved by them? Do you get a feeling deep, deep inside of you that there has to be more for this person? There has to be more. You just, do you look at them? Do you imagine what it could be like if they just knew Jesus? If they just made little changes, if they just understood kingdom principles, if they just could feel the love of the Father, do you look at them that way? The lady at Tesco that gets mad at you for not taking a bag quick enough, do you look at her as a sheep without a shepherd? These people that we encounter on a daily basis, do we look at them as people who need Jesus? You know, my brother, he's an Angora goat farmer. He has 857 goats on his farm. And his job is to count those goats every morning and send them out and then to count them again and bring them back in. Now, it's a little bit more than like 50. 50 is easy to count, you know, but counting 857 alone is quite, it's, it's quite entertaining. So he called my dad and I while we were while I was in South Africa, and he said, you know, I was herding the goats this morning because there had been some, you know, like there were some missing, then some came back, and then some were missing. And he says to my dad and I, he's like, you know, you guys as pastors will understand this. He's like, you know, you have your church, and they're all going in the same direction. But then you have some people who fall by the wayside. You know, they maybe don't come to church anymore or... You know, he's like, so I feel like you guys can relate, you know, and my brother was very serious in this. But my dad and I got talking because we had such a laugh about this because when Joshua, my brother, does have family with him, he uses everybody to help count the goats. So what does he do? He uses the 10-year-olds, the 11-year-olds. He uses my granny who's 70 years old. Everybody helps count sheep. And you know what he does? The sheep know where to go, guys. But he stations a couple of people on either side of the path to ensure that they don't stray off. And you know what? You don't need to be 
qualified to ensure that a couple of sheep stay on the path. And I want to say this this morning, that because of the kingdom that you carry and what you represent, even though you may feel unqualified and uncalled, God is using you. God is using you to shepherd people into the kingdom. You don't need to be super qualified to help keep people in mind just a little. And I don't mean that in a condemnation kind of way of calling people out of their sin. But we can all take part in what God is building. Build your church. We can all take part in it. And I love this scripture because this Matthew 9 scripture, this is just before Jesus sends out the disciples. So this was the moment right before he decided he needed to release his 12 disciples to all the nations. This moment was right before the Great Commission when Jesus realized that he needed to do more. And after this, the scripture, as I said, he calls them. And he's only done the ministry and the disciples have simply watched. And now he gets them involved. And it says here in Matthew 10 verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. It's very specific. Don't go among the Gentiles or into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Jesus was specific in the mandate that he gave the disciples. Jesus was specific in where he told them to go. Because the good shepherd will seek out the lost sheep and minister to them. Sheep don't look for a shepherd. My brother's goats don't go looking for him. They're probably not the smartest animals in the world. But that's why you have shepherds. The good shepherd seeks out the lost sheep. And I want to challenge you this morning. Are you seeking out the lost? And I'm not only referring to the homeless people on the streets. Because there are lost people in corporate companies. There are lost people in the biggest universities in the city. There are lost people in your families. And are you seeking them out? I love how it ends in that scripture. It says there, freely you have received and freely give. Freely you have received of the power to see things changed. And freely you should give. Freely you have received of the kingdom. Freely you have received salvation. The word tells us that salvation is a gift. And freely we should be giving. Holding nothing back. So here are some thoughts. Some things that I jotted down on the kingdom. And I would like to thank once again Abel and Precious for singing out my entire sermon. And making this very easy for me. But I want to speak on the power of the gospel. Because I said in, in the first part of the series that I believe that God's going to be moving a couple of us on from the frameworks that we've put in place of why we believe and how we believe and how we do things. We're going to be moving beyond simply being a believer because that's what we grew up being. Or tithing because our parents tithed. Or attending a connect group because that's just what you do when you go to a church. We're going to be moving beyond those old frameworks and we're going to be putting a new building in place. And I, I really felt stirred this week that many of us 
don't fully understand the gospel nor the power it carries. And it says in Hosea, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. It actually says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So I could have read out four scriptures, four pages of scriptures to you this morning. But if it hasn't become a hard revelation to you, you're not going to know why you should be out there reaching the lost. And I was stirred this week in praying about the power of the gospel because I actually think it's a lot simpler than we've made it out to be. I think the biggest problem is that we feel uncomfortable giving an answer for some of the reasons why we do things in the kingdom, good things. If I had to single out one of you now and say, from the scripture, cannot Abel, I was going to choose Abel, but he knows the whole Bible, so pick somebody else. <laughs> if I had to say for you, cool, so from the scripture, just tell me why it's important to be part of a community. Just tell me quickly, from the scripture, why do you tithe? Can you just tell me a couple of scriptures? And it's challenging, because I actually don't think a lot of us how do I say this? I think a lot of us are fully convinced of the gospel. How many of you are fully convinced of the gospel? You're fully convinced of Jesus. You know that it carries the power to save. Yeah, we know that, guys. That's not what I'm preaching this morning. But it's if we had to communicate that, I think it's just a small little logistical error that we need to sort out. Amen? I think it's a lot smaller than what we've made it out to be. 1 Peter 3 verse 15, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So I did a year of Bible college recently, and I had the privilege of being on a call where we didn't know what the topic of the lectures was going to be. And we had somebody pop on, and they chose me, and they said, cool, hi, Jessica. Can you just summarize the gospel in 30 seconds, but don't use any fancy Christian words that only a Christian would understand? Have any of you tried to do that in 30 seconds off the top of your head is say the gospel or why you believe or anything? Can you guys answer the hard questions, the things that you believe, the frameworks that you have in place for your life? Can you answer them from the scripture as to why you do them? Because the word is power. The word is power. The word is what is going to bring transformation in somebody's life. Not your really beautiful story that takes about 15 minutes to tell. Some of you have the heart. As I can see in this room, and I truly believe we all have the heart, but we need the knowledge of the word. We need to know the word. It always comes back to the word. And every single sermon we preach from the front of this church is that it comes down to the word. Romans 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It is not you bringing salvation, it is the power of God. And where will you find that power? In the word. That is what the power is. And once we've worked out our own salvation... The scriptures behind what we do, that transformation power inside of us is what's going to build confidence. It's revelation power. Ready, as the word says, in and out of season to give an answer for everything. Then we find ourselves no longer fearful to be caught of God. 
And we can move on from feeling ashamed of being countercultural, of doing things differently to the way our friends do them. I remember last year, and I've spoken about this before, there's quite a trend at the moment to deconstruct your faith, to basically tear everything down and, and start over. And I have no problem with that if you're doing it with the Holy Spirit, if you're doing it with the Word. And last year, I felt so convicted to be reminded as to why I believe what I believe. And I took a notebook and I wrote down a couple of things. Baptism, tithing, community, marriage, sexual immorality, all those things that I believe I'm fully convinced of. And I went through the scripture and I wrote down just one or two scriptures on each one. That's a practical way of getting the word inside of you and helping you to be ready to answer any question. But I want to say this as well. As Donovan said, and I'm referencing you so much this morning, Don, but we are not called to defend the gospel. I'm not telling you this to bulk yourself up with scripture so that you can go into a fight to defend because the word of God has stood the test of time without needing to be defended. It is powerful enough on its own. God will open the hearts. The harvest is already ripe, as that scripture said. You are not called to go in there and convince somebody why they should not be involved with gambling or with sexual immorality or with whatever it is that people get up to these days. God will open the hearts. Acts 16 verse 14. Loving the scripture this morning. A woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, a God-fearing woman, listen to us. This is Paul. Listen to us. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. The Lord will open up the hearts of the people that you will be sharing with, that you will be sharing testimony with, that you'll be sharing scripture with, that you'll be sharing stories with. The Lord will open the hearts. Plant the seeds. Reap the harvest. And know that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be what's going to bring the change. Because we do not need more people following people. I do not want anybody saying, it's because of Audrey that I am just completely sold out for the Lord. I follow her on Instagram and I'm just so inspired. And she is the reason why I love Jesus. It's a beautiful, I mean, that would be awesome. It would be fantastic, but we don't need more people following people. Your only job is to point people to Jesus. It's to use the word to point people to Jesus. Everything, if you speak about building his kingdom in layman's terms, it's pointing to Jesus. Everything that you do. And some of us don't even plant the seeds. Some of us don't even go there in conversations because we lack faith. Faith is believing in the things that are not yet seen. And for, we need to be reminded that we only see in part. And because of that, it's, being, it's holding a lot of us back. We're scared to start a conversation when our friends tell us about how their marriage is falling apart or how their relationships are falling apart. And there's a deep feeling in your gut, as Jesus had. And you just feel like you just want to blurt out the answer 
something that can bring transformation, something that can really help their situation. But you're scared. You're afraid. Maybe you need to pray about why. And the Holy Spirit needs to reveal that to you. Then secondly, I want to speak about our testimony. Revelation 12 verse 11. They triumphed over the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies. Blood of the Lamb, it's the gospel. If you want to win souls for the kingdom, if you want to help the lost sheep, if you want to be an effective kingdom builder, testimony and the blood of Jesus. Amen? The disciples, I love this, that Jesus sent out in Matthew 10, they didn't perform miracles. Jesus did. They were learning from Jesus for two years. They didn't leave Jesus after he sent them out with a diploma in evangelism, with a short course in how to get somebody saved. They didn't leave him knowing everything that they needed to know. But he set, sent them out with the testimony of what they had seen him do. And I think for some of you, you need to know that your most powerful gospel moments are going to be your testimony. It's going to be the stories that you tell. It's going to be the small moments where God has come through for you. But not only that, the story of how you came to know Christ. That is where the power is. Donovan and myself, you know, something that we really, really love to testify about, and that's why we always speak about it, is, is marriage. Why you should do things the right way. Why the scripture is so clear on sexual immorality and, and purity. And we love to testify about it. We love to always speak about our marriage and how we prioritize each other. And we don't always have it right. But to us, it's one of the biggest things that we can testify about. And it's life. You can bring it up to anybody who's in a relationship. You need to start identifying the things that you have just seen God move so powerfully in your life. And you need to start using those things as conversation starters. Because it's the easiest way to bring the kingdom into conversation. I remember um, straight out of school, I was doing this academy worship thing um, and basically, it was like 20 people from across the country. It was kind of like a Bible school, but we did a lot of evangelism. And at the start of the year, we went through this thing where they taught you how to share your testimony. And, you know, as most Bible schools do. And we had some crazy testimonies. We had some diamond smugglers. We had some drug addicts. We had some sexual immorality. We had like some really powerful testimonies. Then it came to me, and I was like, well, my parents are pastors, and I grew up in the church, and I just really love Jesus, so I don't... No, well, I didn't get very, chosen very often to share my testimony at the big evangelism rallies, because there was nothing really significant about the girl who just grew up in church and loved Jesus, right? And I felt so disqualified for such a long time. But then God started to speak in my life about what, it, what my life would have been like if I didn't have him. If I didn't grow up in the church, if I didn't grow up in the church, I wouldn't be here right now doing what I'm doing. We wouldn't have 27 nationalities in one room. Those are the little things that God does. And I think some of us need to pray more into our testimony. 
Ask God to remind you of the things that he's done in your life. Ask God to remind you of the things that fill your heart with passion. Mark 16 verse 20. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. God working in our life will always be marked by fruit, by signs, by miracles. And it will always be backed by scripture. So for those of you, Franklin's testimony of just financial breakthrough. Well, what's the scriptural backup for that? Well, we know the word says, our father owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He's a good, good father. He will bless. He will provide. He is our provider. Your, your testimonies need to be paired with scripture. They need to carry the power of the word. And the last thing I want to speak on is serving the cause. And the worship team, you guys can come up. We spoke about the power of the gospel and understanding the word and using it and speaking about testimony. And the last thing I want to speak on, which I'm actually going to be preaching on next week, so I don't want to speak too much on it now, but I wanted to stir in you because what we're preaching on this week and next week is it's activation stuff. You know, this is now when we start to take a really great sermon series and we start applying it. Acts 20 verse 24. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Mark 8, verse 35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Ephesians 2, verse 8, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Salvation is a gift. Your life in Christ is a gift. And just as the scripture reminds us in Matthew, freely given, freely received. Just as you've received this gift, there has to be something in you. There has to be something that moves you when you look around and you see those who don't yet know Jesus. And if this is the first time that you've considered whether you are moved or not moved by those around you, or maybe you've been moved a little, but maybe you want to be moved a lot, this is going to be the defining moment for you where you really pray the prayers and say, God, would I be willing to lose my life just as your son Jesus did? The gospel is so much bigger than us. And I think we've built a framework for what we believe is pleasing to God. We've put together a list of things that we believe bring honor to God. We've built a list of things that we believe build his kingdom. But co-laboring with Christ 
for the sake of the kingdom is going to require us to relook and lay down the things that we may just be doing for our own conscience for our own sake I was reminded of the scripture when I was praying yesterday Matthew 11 verse 29 where Jesus says take my yoke upon you and learn from me I don't know if if you've heard this analogy but the idea of yoking is when you would put two animals side by side with a piece of wood across both of their necks so that if one moves in one direction, the other has to follow. If you go in this direction, they have to follow. It's called being yoked together. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. He says, I want to be partnered up with you because I want you to learn from me. We like to preach that scripture when we're feeling like we're carrying a lot. And we know that Jesus will help us with our burdens and he will lighten the load. But we often forget that last part. Learn from me. You want to understand the gospel? You want to understand the kingdom? Learn from me. Look at the way I looked at the loss around me, torn and thrown down. Look at how I felt when I looked at them. Learn from me. So we can stand this morning. And I want us to pray just as that scripture ends that I preached from this morning. Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the labor is of you. So pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus is calling each and every one of us into the harvest. He's saying, work with me, build with me, build together. Go into the harvest fields together with me, learn from me, understand why understand why I can't even look at my people and see them unchanged so much so that I would be sending out disciple after disciple after disciple not to reach the saved not to reach the churched but to reach the lost sheep and you may have never done it before I can imagine the disciples sitting there saying was this ever part of the deal Because they were just told to follow him. And in a moment he turned around and he said, now go. And I can imagine the fear and doubt that filled the disciples in that moment. But then, casting their minds to the two years that they had with Jesus. The testimonies. The power the miracles, people being set free, people knowing the love of the Father. And that same authority, church, as I read in Matthew 28, that Jesus carried, He gave to His disciples, and that same power He has given to each and every one of us. This call for the gospel, this call 
to build kingdom is not just for some. It is not for a certain age group. It is not for a certain qualification. It is for every single one of us. It is not for Saturday evangelism meetings. It is for our every day. Praying. Praying, God, would you open up our eyes this morning? Lord, this is our prayer. Would you open up our eyes to see the lost the way that you did, Jesus? Sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless, torn down, thrown down, Jesus. Jesus, as the song said, would you break our heart for what breaks yours? Lord, and that's a scary thing to pray. It's a scary thing to sing. A lot of the prayers I'm praying right now, Father God, many of us may not even be ready to pray them. As the scripture said, Lord, if we want to save our lives, we need to lose our lives. And that's a big, big question, Lord, to answer. Are we willing? Because we know Jesus that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. And I believe Jesus is saying this morning, who can I send? Who will go? Who will help me? Will you help build the kingdom? Will you help the lost be restored back to the Father? Will you keep going until the whole earth knows? And Lord, maybe some of us have disqualified ourselves. Or maybe some of us don't feel it's our place or our need to pray those kinds of prayers. But I want to pray right now in this church today, God. As we, as we pray into building well in our lives, in the kingdom, in the church with each other. I want to pray right now, Father God, that you would fill each and every one of us with a desire, with a deep, deep clarity to see people the way you see them, Jesus. To look on the lost the way you did, Jesus. Fill this church with people with your eyes, Jesus. Holy Spirit, transform our hearts to understand a gospel that is so much bigger than us, that is so much bigger than our priorities, that is so much bigger than our timelines, that is so much bigger than the small amount of time we feel we can devote to your kingdom, Lord. Holy Spirit, I want to pray that you would do that you would do a hard work in each and every one of us this week. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring to mind testimonies. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring to mind stories, moments that we may have forgotten about where God, you came through, where God, you provided. Lord, I want to pray for a hunger for your word in this church. 
the Lord's Prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. We want to pray for daily bread, God, for daily word to be filling us, for fresh revelation on a daily basis, God. May we be people who understand the gospel, who understand the power of the blood of Jesus, who carry testimony, who carry an answer in and, in and out of every season for what we believe and why we believe it. May we not be people held back by doubt. We may think that staying in a state of doubt helps us not feel so guilty about not evangelizing or not reaching the lost. Maybe some of you have gotten so comfortable. That's why you haven't started reading the Bible more, started to understand more. Because it's easier to just be comfortable and say, well, I'm not sure. That's the pastor's job to know the scriptures. That's the leader's job to know an answer for everything. But Jesus, you look on the doubters and those full of faith and you give us the same authority. So no matter where we're at right now, you're calling each and every one of us. Thank you that you're leveling the playing field. The gospel is for every nation, for every person. Thank you, Lord, that it's the power that the gospel carries that brings transformation, not the perfect way that we deliver it. For those of us who feel held back because of a language barrier, for those of us who feel held back because we don't know how to speak without stumbling, I just pray right now and I just see the Lord just anointing mouths in this room this morning. He's anointing lips. I just see Jesus laying his hands over mouths this morning, saying, anointed, anointed, anointed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.